0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kinda like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
2: G'day, everyone. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Paul Dennett, and I'd love to say that I'd be being joined tonight by the mighty Andrew Mensel, but the great man is down with COVID. He's lost his voice. So um, shout out to Menes Hope you get well soon. I think apart from the, the voice, he's going okay. But uh, pleased to say back on the podcast is Jaleesa Apps. How are you, Jaleesa?
3: I'm really good, I'm so um, thrilled that Manez has left the kids in charge. Um, it's very exciting. obviously we will only be talking about rugby league preseason. So Sean Bloor, what do you think out for the Tigers?
2: It's a massive blow, but I'm I just can't wait to get to some of the trial games. I've, I've been down to, to I went to Goulburn once for trial and um, my friend stole the scoreboard after the game. I shouldn't say that probably, but um, it's many many years ago um.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, good. Menez is already listening. (coughs) Menez is already listening to this. Absolutely losing his mind, like just he's he's combusted.
2: Well, the other thing that's going to annoy Menez is that um, we're not going to have the usual cheerleading for Justin Lang. We might actually have a bit of balance on the show tonight. We might have um, some uh, balanced opinions about the Australia's Australian coach's future. Unlike Menez, who's going to be um, normally cheerleading from for him to stay. But um, we're recording this at about eight o'clock at night on Friday night. We're going to record it at midday. And then we thought, well, wait a minute, Cricket Australia are going to make an announcement on Justin Langer anytime soon. So it'd be a bit silly to have that announcement um, and then the podcast go out beforehand. We (laughs) waited, we waited, and eight hours later, (laughs) after an eight-hour board meeting, they've come out and basically said, oh, we've we've decided nothing. What's what's going on, Jaleesa?
3: Well, and as you can tell, we've obviously got a lot to do with our Friday nights <laughs> because you text me um, and I, I think, I, think oh, no, I text you and said, you want to record in the evening? I've got nothing going on. <laughs> <laughs> so how sad are we? But, yeah, an absolute marathon board meeting. And from a news perspective, it was so frustrating because it started. So um, the bulletin, 10 news bulletin that I work on in Sydney starts at 5 o'clock. Um, so I was just thinking more and more unlikely that we're going to get any answer, but then we heard that there was going to be a press conference at six and we are thinking, oh my God, okay, well, this is, um, this is it. Like they're going to either say, yes, he's on or like, there's going to be a decision. And also the other news bulletins obviously thought that too, because seven was sort of more promoing, like there's a decision on Justin Langer. (laughs) And the whole news was that there was no news.
2: Yes, um, and the, the crazy thing is as well that I, I keep on checking Twitter to find out the real news because I'm just assuming that, like everything else with Cricket Australia at the moment, things will leak, and that in an, you know in a few hours' time we won't know officially. But when the the various different newspaper people get their sources into gear, we'll find out unofficially exactly what's going to happen, which has been remarkable. How uh, I can't understand how they had that meeting with Langer, um, Ben Oliver, and Nick Hockley. And it leaked to like three or four different news sources. They all got the same method, um, the same answer, even though Cricket in Australia then denied it. Uh, basically, it sounded like they got a pretty much a verbatim report of what went on. Um, it, it seems very bizarre to me.
3: Um, and honestly, the, the statement killed me. It was so funny. Like Nick Hockley also came out, which pretty much he just said what was in the statement. The statement, I read to you. We will now enter into confidential discussions with Justin. What were the ones before? And the outcome will be announced as soon as possible. Oh, so what is that statement? So what have you been entering into? (laughs)
1: Like
3: what? Oh, my gosh. I just thought it was so funny. And this couldn't be more of a circus if they tried. This is horrendous.
2: I'm trying to work out why. Because everyone's saying, why didn't they... The day after or two or three days after the ashes, just make a decision and and we'll make an announcement. You know, they could have been making their decision in the lead up. The fact that they then, um, let this drag out week after week. And I think everyone, even those who don't want Justin Langer to stay on board think that this is not what he deserves. That this is this kind of endless speculation is silly. And I can only come to the conclusion that they don't know what to do because the players clearly want him to go. But if I'm a cricket Australia board member and I presume that they are like all people self-interested out for self-interest first and foremost, they're going to think, okay, if we, despite the fact that all the ex-players want him to stay, that he clearly wants to stay plenty of the public want him to stay. If we then say, no, he's got to go. He's just had this most successful six months of all time. We're not likely to have that going, but we're touring Pakistan. We're touring Sri Lanka. Um, we've got the the cricket world cup in Australia where, the only thing we can do is win it. And even that is only matching what we've done before. So uh, I hope it's wrong, but the odds are that our next six, nine, 12 months, which then has a, a tour of India are going to be nowhere near as successful as our last six months. And these guys are going to own that decision. Everyone's going to say, you're the clowns. You got rid of the guy that was successful. Now you've got to go. Yep.
3: Exactly right. That's completely bang on. I mean, quite clearly no player has come out and publicly backed him. And that has said so much for a, a couple of months. Like I was at the, the Pat Cummins press conference yesterday, um, which side note was on um, cricket for climate. So yes. he's launching this thing where it was – um cricket for climate, and I was thinking, hmm, I wonder how you feel about the Alinta energy ad that you're in, and I did ask (laughs) Todd Greenberg, well, isn't this a little bit of a weird partnership when Alinta is the biggest sponsor of Australian cricket? But anyway, that aside, even he then was still wouldn't be – he said, oh, you know, I'm not going to buy into speculation and this and – well, clearly you have a pretty big pool, mate. Like, we're we're not – none of us are sitting here under any illusion, and no player has come out and publicly – back to him and I think you're right Paul I think they're just in this now really awkward position where they get rid of Langer it just plays into Langer's hands like that they dumped the coach who achieved everything that they wanted um, and he wanted to stay on but at the same time I just don't think they want him to stay on so I'm like look now are they looking at maybe splitting up the coaching roles or um making another role like what are they actually doing and why on earth is this taking so long why weren't these thoughts uh, why wasn't everything being done or at least thoughts things were happening behind the scenes so you could make a decision so quickly after this this has turned into such a circus I'm of the belief where I do not think Justin Langer should stay because not not really because of him, just because I just don't think it's tenable anymore. I think it's now just got to the point of being really awkward and really uncomfortable with the players and too there's too much water under the bridge and also I think he's served his purpose. I don't think it's a blight on Justin Langer to get rid of him. I just think it's now a different direction than what was and a new um, captain and everything's changed. I don't, nothing against Justin Langer, but I just don't think he should stay on. Um, and it's just got to the point where it's like, what are you doing? What are you actually waiting for?
2: I tend to agree. <laughs> and I think that he's unlucky that Tim Payne um, is no longer captain because I think he had a lot more support from, yes, from him. Yes, I agree. And um, speaking of Tim Payne and Alinta, Alinta just... Whomever did the editing of the Olimpia ads all summer—they were on all the TV—and I presume that when they initially filmed them, Tim Payne was all through them. So they, I don't know how they've got got him out of there, but that someone did some good editing, or maybe they filmed them later. I don't know, but um, that's been something that like, I couldn't let go all summer. But um, the—you're right—that he's done the job that he was kind of brought in to do. And if you're the thing I can't get a, get past is that if you're feeling as as the players seem to do, that you're walking on eggshells around him, that his mood swings are something that you, you, know, you don't like. The last thing you want to do is stand at second slip and think, if I drop a catch, I'm going to cop a rocket, or potentially I'll get an arm around my shoulder and a, you know, a nice story. I don't know what I'm going to get. That's not a, ha- no, that's not a fun um, position to be in. So the, th- the thing that I'm interested in is that everyone's saying, all right, if he does go, everyone in England's saying, we'll take him, no problems. You know, our side would, would, is kind of where Australia were a few years ago, um, and he would do a great job there aside from the fact that he might not want to, but if he did go, do you think he would be a good fit for the England side?
3: Um, yeah, look, I, I think that perhaps he would be because of the the situation that they find themselves at the moment where they sort of do need to rebuild themselves and he has done that with, had experience with Australia, but all, also because he, I honestly think there would be so much motivation there to also take England to a really strong Ashes series. That um, because of because of what's ha- happened with everything with Australia, I think it would be um, a good fit. I think he'll have no problems picking up a coaching role. But it's clear his desire. I have such a different mentality. I would have. Li- I would have. I would leave before I was left at this point because I yeah. would just be like at the point where. But in, in saying that, he's kind of got the best narrative at the moment because when they do, if they do get rid of him, then he can just be this sort of victim that everyone will kind of be like, oh, like Justin Langer did all this and then and Cricket Australia are the big evil bad guys again. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think he'll have no problem. I'd, I'd, I think it's really interesting. The one thing that I think is a bit of um, a worry is giving the players so much power that they can almost get rid of a coach. I mean, in saying that, he's not getting, they're not getting rid of him before, if they get rid of him before the contract is up, he still, well, it'll be a couple of months before, but like, it's not like it's, you know, two years into a four-year deal or something, but it does give the players a lot of uh, power, which is, um, it's really easy to like your assistant coaches, and mm. to like them in charge like it is so yep. easy to be the assistant coach and be everyone's mate no oh, yeah i know lang is a bit hard to deal with you know like it is so much different that, that to be a coach and have to make really tough calls if you're an assistant you can hide behind so much
2: yes and i think that's potentially i mean maybe where cricket australia tried to angle that they're trying to sell to the players look we'll just give him a little bit longer till the ashes in 2023 And Celta Langer, who wants a four-year deal, well, that's pretty good. Uh, Robert Craddock's been making the point that if he gets a deal that is effectively only a 15-month extension, because as you said, his his contract ends in June and he wants a four-year extension, 15-month is not actually the insult that it sounds because in that time we're touring Pakistan, Sri Lanka, India, we've got our home summer, we've got the World Cup, and we've got the Ashes, that it's a massive, massive amount of cricket. Um, You know, he... I I think if they offer him that, he should he should accept it.
3: I will never get the mentality of coaches in every sport, rugby league. I will never understand. Like at this point, if I'm Justin Langer, the last thing I want in the world is another deal. Like he's got like three days between before he comes out of quarantine, then sees his family for three days, and then he's off to Pakistan. Like he hasn't seen them. What he hasn't pretty much been the world cup straight into the ashes surely he doesn't obviously need the money um i am so confused about you've just come off a world cup you've come off the ashes like what more do you want i could not think of anything worse than going through all these coaches are so weird
2: i think it's yeah i agree but i think it's also that when you've played at the highest level and you've been a uh, a coach at the highest level that that adrenaline rush you just kind of know that no matter what else you do in life nothing is going to replicate it we aren't some where I used to work, we had a bloke who'd played high-level tennis, almost had made it. It got kind of got to number five hundred in the world, and he couldn't handle a normal office job because he was so used to my day is I either win in a tough three-setter or I lose, and I'm either devastated or I'm in you know euphoria. Here I'm just you know <laughs> pushing a pen at an office. It's like there's nothing to live for, and I think that's what they. <laughs>
3: To everyone doing office jobs, there's a lot to live
2: for. Sorry. Well, that was me as well. I was like, I was, I was pointing from his perspective. <laughs> How do you think I thought when he turned up? I was like, Oh, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but that's. But oh I, I, I think that's the thing that for, for Langer that he just wants that. Um, you know. Uh, but then you can kind of look at someone like um, Ponting, who potentially would be someone that they'd offer the job to, but I think he's kind of gone the other way where he gets the, the competitive thrill with his IPL job, but then the rest of the year he's gone, you know, a lovely job at Channel 7 and doesn't have to have that stress and that endless being away. Because the funny thing about the pandemic is that for the coaches, it's made it harder because they're in quarantine and they're not seeing their family and um, isolation or all that sort of stuff, but they've also had a lot, a lot less tours. Once it goes back to normal, then I think they spend, what, less than – they spend more than 300 nights a year outside their own bed. So as you say, yeah, they're they're a special breed.
3: Oh, it's crazy. And, um, but, and just the situation you'd find yourself in at the moment as Langer, I really do feel for him. I, like I said, don't think that he should stay on. And I've thought that for a while. I think I've said that on this podcast for quite a while, but I, I can't help but feel for him. Like it's, it's been so bungled by cricket Australia. And, um, Classic cricket, Australia. Like, just this has been handled (laughs) horrifically. But and why? Also, why weren't they even talking about this? Sort of even before the World Cup and the Ashes. Like, okay, maybe they didn't know we're going to win the World Cup, but you could take a pretty educated guess we were going to win the Ashes. Well, were they thinking they'd like they'd lose both and they have an easy out?
2: (laughs) Well, that's the that's the interesting thing because the the impression is that they sort of said to the players, "Oh, listen, look, you know, guys, we know you're sick of him, but." Let's just get through these next few months, and we're not going to offer him a new deal and that um we'll get him to stand back and get you know di nudo and mcdonald will, will will take more of the role that if you can then grit your teeth and get through it it'll be fine and then the ironic thing of of course winning the two taunt, winning the World cup and then winning the ashes so emphatically um it's one of these things where in theory they knew that could have been a problem, but I think that it, it just seems so far away and so unlikely that they probably just didn't think about the actuality of it. Because as you say, even if we'd only made it say to the semi-final of the world cup, if we'd had an ashes of four nil, which is totally on the cards, there would have still been a fair bit of this feeling anyway. So um, yeah. Yeah, it has been poorly handled. There's no, there's no two ways about that.
3: It, in yeah it's incredible, and the one thing that I found in the whole discussion all week, and as you mentioned at the start that everyone seemed to kind of get the same mail on the meeting um that happened yeah. inside um and that he had had this blow, he's blown up and blah blah blah, and whether that was all being fed by you know we we don't know if it's someone in the meeting or you know agents ringing everyone or who who knows what how, how that's happened but um everyone seemed to have had the same mail on it The i found so funny the perth like this feeling in perth mm. of like everyone's against them and like this like you know malcon really copped it yeah for, I um, that interview yeah for for his interview but also even on social media his article copped it and the one theme that kept getting um smashed at mal was well you just want someone from new south wales you want trevor baylis you want someone from new south why do people think that people in new south wales care how many new south welshmen are in the australian setup nobody cares we don't care like to think that mal had some sort of agenda was the most ridiculous thing i and and all these other journalists too
1: it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard
2: yeah I, I can't understand it it's like um i've always said if the australian side had 11 players and not a single one was from new south wales it wouldn't bother me one I iota couldn't care less. and I, I could
3: not care less
2: i got the shock of my life years ago when we were at the uh mcg 2005 and i'd been there many times before but um probably the only Victorian in the side was Warren and who was obviously going to be cheered because he was a champion. But the biggest cheer of the day was when Brad Hodge came out to bat, like beyond anything else. the, the You know, the, the gap between it and the second biggest cheer was bigger than the gap between the second biggest cheer and the smallest cheer. And the crowd went insane and then started singing, we love you because you're a Victorian. And it was kind of nice <laughs> and it was cool and everything else. But I just thought this, is, this should be our second least parochial state. They're the second biggest state. So... Um, you know, I I kind of do get a bit tired of this whole joke, tired old joke brought out of, oh yeah, when a new player gets their baggy blue cap from New South Wales, they get uh, a baggy green along with it as well, because they're, you know, it's only a matter of time implying that you only get picked for Australia because you're from New South Wales. Well, New South Wales is a third of the population, so there's a start. And the second biggest state is obsessed with Australian rules football. You know, if Kevin Sheedy was from New South Wales, you would have played cricket. He was a very, very fine leg spinner. Um, yeah. And I've said it before, Shane Warne only played cricket because he didn't quite cut it in Aussie rules. There's not the same crossover with league. So, of course, New South Wales is going to dominate, and I find it, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Malcolm Conn's not even from New South Wales. He's from Victoria initially as well. So um, I, I can understand... um. Th- that you feel that, that they would feel that way given that everything does seem to get decided in the um in the eastern states or over east as they say but yeah i if, if the australian side um had all 11 players from wa i would cheer it just as much as if it had any other um, make
3: yeah and it does get but the, it seems to be very new south wales specific the criticism but everything that happens at cricket australia because it much to my frustration because it's very annoying as a journalist based in sydney happens in victoria i know <laughs> like so frustrating, and um, I just found the the criticism of Mal like as someone who is a Walkley award winning journalist <laughs> would care about how many New South Welshmen like it. Just he would it, it just was ridiculous. And the other thing that I found people saying was, "Oh, you know, he's bitter because he he um you know he left cricket Australia and blah blah blah." Well, he worked for Cricket New South Wales, so he would be bitter. And he, like if if there was anything like that, which of course there isn't. It would be like it, it just was so there were counter arguments. It was very strange, and certainly Mal never. Th- if you go back and listen to even our podcast with Mal, he was never, you know, left on bad terms at Cricket Australia, or Cricket New South Wales, or anything like that. He just ended up going back to journalism, which he never thought he was going to do. So I just found that so ridiculous as well. Like he's just a he's just a he's ruthless in his journalism. Yeah, he's a straight shooter. He just says it as it is. He's a straight shooter. He's got no no qualms about saying it how it is and um, that probably got a few people offside And but uh, certainly I don't think there was any agenda there.
2: Cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, well, any, anything else um, before we um, move off, Langer, have you got any other final comments on JL?
3: Um, no, I would just really like when this does get decided, if it could be at a mm-hmm. um, deadline-friendly time, that would be really yeah. enjoyable. <laughs> I was literally standing up ready for live across just um refreshing my like um looking for a statement like absolute mad like in that case and i was hearing you know 30 seconds 10 seconds and i'm like oh well here we go i'm just gonna <laughs> just say
1: whatever i know
2: <laughs> <laughs> well if you are listening um to this on say su- sunday or something like that and um uh, there's been something leaked then um take that uh we just checking twitter there's nothing leaked yet last i've said is marcus nothing. north Marcus North tweeting out, seriously, what is going on? The way this is played out is disappointing, and I think that's a, a pretty apt summary. Um, the Big Bash, um, I, we won't go into it in great detail, but just your impression of the, uh, the overall season and what changes you'd like to see made.
3: Um, look, I think there's absolutely no denying that the Big, La- Big Bash has lost its sparkle and I find that really hard to say as someone who really enjoys it and has been um, loving the competition for a few years, but there's absolutely no doubt that this year was really tough. And it was tough from a COVID perspective, I really feel, for um, the Big Bash organisers when everything was just thrown into a mess to, um, and they had to, um, you know, decide things on the run and change fixtures and um, but it, bring in players that, you know, you barely knew or um, well, you didn't know in some cases. Mm-hmm. So it was really – it was a difficult season for the Big Bash and there's absolutely no – um, doubt that it needs to be revamped for the first time I am actually saying that the season is too long and I've always loved the long season because more cricket I, you can watch the better I love knowing I can get home and turn the cricket on so but the for the first time I actually can see that if I was putting my own selfishness aside then for the whole brand it is not working the um the ratings were not good the crowds were terrible and I found it interesting that this was being pointed out by a lot of people um, online and I saw some people within Cricket Australia tweeting back at people and saying, well, it was up against the tennis and blah, blah, blah. If your best argument is that it's up against a better sport, <laughs> that's a worry. And if you can't, if you're inside Cricket Australia and you can't acknowledge that there's a problem it's not going to get better. You have to be really honest and just go, you know what, there is a problem, let's fix it because it was an awesome product and it was an awesome product. But um, it just, you know, the the final was I think they got 10,000 people. Now, you can say COVID and blah, blah, blah. In Melbourne, like two days earlier, the is had a packed house. So yeah. I don't know that you can blame COVID when you're selling out one stadium and one stadium isn't. And that was with the during the tennis as well.
2: Yeah, I think that COVID. You're, you're right. COVID had a big factor, <laughs> but it's not the only factor. That um, if you could say that the tournament was at a sort of like a ten out of ten level four years ago, and this year it was kind of like at a three out of ten level. If there'd been no COVID, it might have been at a six or seven out of ten level. It, it hasn't. It um, it has dropped from where it peaked. Partially, that could be that it peaked. You know, it got so much momentum that it kind of peaked higher than it was ever going to end up being. Um, that sometimes does happen, that there's a little bit of a normal sort of levelling off of things. But um, I, I think that the crowds, I, I personally think the crowds obviously were, were impacted to a degree by COVID and that, you know, the, that um, that final with not, not a Melbourne team involved, I, I think that that's, that's not so bad. But what I think, the, the biggest thing for me is, I think that now we have to draw a line in the sand and say that from... From the end of the Sydney test match, which in the normal course of events is the 7th of January, we need the Australian players available. That if we can then sign up as many overseas players as possible and have the Australian players available from the 7th of January till whenever the tournament ends and have no one-dayers or other T20s in the way, that would be a massive difference, I think. And I think that's the first thing that they need to do.
3: I agree. And the fact that there was that stupid technicality which meant that the um the Sixers couldn't play Steve Smith, which would have bought so many eyeballs. And let's be honest, not that much of an advantage, because he's not in the best form. Like especially like in T twenty. He hasn't been in great form. So it's I, I just thought that was a ridiculous yeah. And and the Sixers made that decision way before when there wasn't this pool of players that they thought was going to happen and Steve Smith wasn't going to be available and I mean, I just thought that was you. Kind of just damaged your product for the sake of what? Like, and and to put it in the hands of the state CEOs was the most bizarre. Like, it it just showed I thought a real lack of leadership to ask the state CEOs if they were cool with it. Like, I I don't know. I found that um, really bizarre. But the split the split broadcaster thing has not helped at all. Agreed. It, 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 it is an absolute disaster. I'm sorry. This is like. Infuriating that they ever took on that um that I I just I I just it it really makes me really annoyed that the one days and T20s and everything are behind, on Fox that just kills them and then you're killing the Big Bash because you've split the broadcasters and people the the most the biggest watcher of a Big Bash is the casual observer. Yep. And I'll give you a great example is my dad's girlfriend. She has never watched a game of cricket in her life. She in the like probably about four years ago was so into the big bash. And she and now now that's on Fox and she's like dad sort of sits at one TV where sports running 24-7 and she's at another and, and she was like the casual observer that would flick and get the big bash was on so she'd watch. And got really into it. Now even she's lost interest, and it makes me really sad to see someone who was had no interest in cricket before, but then loved the Big
2: Batch. It's so true, and it's an argument that I don't think anyone realised how strong it was going to be till it actually happened. Because, you know, on the face of it, almost all the games, well, the vast majority of the games are still on free to wear, but there is a major difference. And I, I, where I now, where we now are. I have FOX um, or KO only on a laptop. Um, so th- th- there's that slight extra barrier to entry. And I have myself this season and last season flicked on Channel 7 just assuming that there'd be a game on at 7.30 and there's nothing on. And I think, oh, don't tell me this is one of these FOX-only games. And I just ca- I just haven't bothered turning it on. And that's the thing. I've done the
3: same thing.
2: Yeah. So I think that they've got to make a um, next TV deal. They've got to find a way. That was what was so good on, on Channel 10. There were a million people watching it every night. The commentators became famous. There was this sense of sort of uh, something (coughs) magical about it all that it it got that old-fashioned feeling of what it used to be like when everyone was tuning in because they had basically only three channels back in the day. They were tuning into the same thing, and there was that shared collective experience. Even that's been um, broken down now because you know that half the commentators are uh, on a different feed. But anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, We'll go on to the... um,
3: can I just say one yes, more thing, yes. Paul, is that the only thing I will say um, really positive in Big Bash world is that how well the WBBL did um, in terms of uh, the um, uh, audience, like the um what am I trying to say? Crowd. Sorry, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> um, the crowd numbers, um, particularly for the final was fantastic. And obviously, cause it was a home side that helped. Um, so I uh, have had a higher crowd than the men's uh, BBL again, cause of home side likely. Um, but also the ratings were really not that far off the men's for the final either. I think like it was like 500,000 for the WBBL and 800,000 for the, um, the, uh, BBL. And so I know like we're sitting here shitting on Cricket Australia a lot, but I just really, I will always back how well they have done the women's game because other sports are playing catch up and they have just captured such an audience and cricket will survive anything because of that, because they've gone to another demographic and the WBBL is just getting better and better. And my dad even said to me, who watches everything. He goes, I really much more enjoyed the WBBL this year than I did the BBL.
2: Yes, and it's not the only one I've heard saying that. Um, and that's an um, opportune time. We'll, we'll click across to the, the headlines now, um, brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Um, <coughs> we'll start with uh, the women's Ashes. So it's an opportune little uh, segue there. And I think that <coughs> the um, yes, Australia won the Ashes. They, um, ret- well, so they retained the Ashes after winning the first one, Daya. Um, and the test match, though, is what everyone has been talking about. And I think that this was, for me, a major milestone for women's cricket uh, because of the fact that for the first time in a long time, they were given a pitch that was worthy of them and that it, was, it had bounce, it had carry, had a bit of movement, and it, re- it produced thrilling and entertaining cricket. And I was a convert overnight. I've always thought women's test cricket has, a, has potential, but I've accepted the narrative that everyone's given that it's really the, the T20 is where women's cricket is going to grow. After that test match, I would be perfectly in favour of them saying, bugger the multi-format series. Uh, From now on, next time around, we're going to have a five-test match series against England with five days each in the five capital cities, just like the men's ashes. And as long as the curators produce pitches that um, are as good as the one that we saw at Manica, I think it's got commercial legs. And I I think it could become a real phenomenon.
3: 100%. I totally agree with you. I really loved watching... Um, this test match rain and all, but actually in the end, the rain sort of made it a bit more interesting mm. and added a bit of um, and sort of a lot of strategy to it. Um, I with one thing that was really sad for me today and I, Lockie McCurdy, another journo pointed it out um, that. Everything today, that whole retaining the ashes win got swept up in this Langer bullshit, yeah. And that really, and including my own organisation, we focused on um Langer much more because, of course, it's huge news. And I thought this is this is another example of Cricket Australia like kind of stuffing their whole narrative. Like the, if they had sorted this out two weeks ago we would be talking we would have run a package today on the women's ashes. Instead we we you simply don't have time in a bulletin. That's the reality of yep. it. Um for too much cricket. You got to cover other sports. And that was really disappointing. But I really enjoyed really enjoyed the test match. I agree with you. It did great things. The I was incredibly frustrated in the final 20 overs because I did not feel like Meg Lenning had the field right. I felt like she needed to be far more aggressive and there were, all they needed was singles. All England would need was singles and there were singles everywhere. Why on the flip side of that, why on earth England were putting any balls in the air? I did not understand. I was like, this is a really bad tactics on the final day from both sides. I just thought, there were missed opportunities however the thing that I thought in both uh yesterday's match and the um t20 the bowling is at times so interesting because the women obviously cannot bowl as fast they bowl so much I just feel like it's more interesting to watch like the balls and that they bowl and um a lot more spin and I just I, I found it fascinating
2: yeah, and I found the, one, the first one day a fascinating. It wasn't on the face of it a great game, but I enjoyed that thoroughly as well. Australia slumped to four for 67, managed to get to nine for 205 thanks to 73 from Beth Mooney. And then England, they were sort of in it all the way, but always just behind the eight ball and ended up falling short out for 178. Darcy Brown taking four for 34. One day cricket... For, for a lot of people, I think has become the unloved one that, you know, the, the tradition and the glory of test matches and then the fast gratification of the T20 50 overs is probably my third favorite format, but I really enjoyed watching that first one day. And, and yeah, to your point, I probably enjoyed it more than I would have enjoyed um, an equivalent men's game.
3: Yeah, I um, it's funny. I enjoy the one days more um, in the women's game. I do not care at all about a men's one day. I, I just, I, I like a sort of care, but there's no real care factor there for me. You're right. It's become sort of the third format um, for me. I think that the one thing that this test match showed was we just need so, so many more test matches for women's cricket. There's barely any played at the moment and even multi-innings matches um, at a high level, there's really none. So um, we—that's the one part that needs to be uh, be changed in the women's game. Is but because I did think that the I don't know Meg Lanning's field in the last day. I was like, is this just inexperience in Test cricket? Um,
2: I think it's because like- she's a cricketer. I think she did what every captain I've ever seen would have done, with a very few honourable exceptions. Uh, Ian Chappell, not that I saw him captain, but um. I happened to see some highlights from seventy-five of the day and when Ian Chappell was captain, they had like six slips and two gullies. It was and a short leg. It was like the most aggressive field I have ever seen. And love that. Michael Clark, Shane Warne, Ian Chappell, yeah. not many others. So I think Meg Lanning is like, you know, she did what um they all would have done. That they they it's human nature to think, Oh, I can't afford any boundaries, so let's put everyone out and um Uh, and go from there and that's just the that's just the way it is that 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 counterintuitive thing of bringing everyone in as Glenn McGrath used to say have an attacking field but bowl defensively bowl on the fourth stump line with an attacking field and things start happening but look it's a lot easier said than done um, when you're out there and the the pressure's on you but it's kind of like what Tim Payne did in the Headingley test match that that they were getting um I, I know Ben Stokes was playing an incandescently brilliant innings but they needed the field up in that match as well so I think it's just par for the course
3: yeah you're probably right and uh, i it just would be it would be good to see a lot more um women's test matches just generally i guess because it was such an enjoyable match to watch and it was really i was following twitter while i was um watching it and that was all anyone was talking about mm. which also just made me feel all like warm and fuzzy i was like oh this is lovely that everyone's enjoying this and watching this on a Sunday. And um, again, like credit to Cricket Australia for getting the game to the point of where it is. The one thing that also worries me about the women's game is every other country because I feel like we're so good. <laughs> 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 like we're just so good in every format. I'm like, oh, everyone come up, rate right? The bar's up here and now you're all going to have to reach it.
2: We'll drag them up. India, they won't take long till they get stung into action. But I think that... Um, at some point, they'll go berserk and throw a lot of money into it. And the women's team from India, who are already showing good signs, will suddenly become very, very good. So we should enjoy our dominance over them um, while we can. The ratings also were were excellent. Um, it's just from Cricket Australia. It's always a bit um, nervous when it's from the source, but they, they're saying that the average free to our audience in the final session was four hundred and forty thousand viewers, and then when you add in the others, it's um, obviously impressive. So, as you say, uh, there were people all around the country watching it and enjoying it for, for the cricket's sake, which makes it even more disappointing that Channel Nine aren't going to show the Women's World Cup on at all um, coming up in in uh, in March in New Zealand. I think that's really disappointing.
3: And not just Channel Nine; anyone, anyone could have, you know, had a crack at that in terms of free to air. So,
2: yeah, but um, I think Nine Nine had the rights, didn't they? And they just sort of let them go did they i um, i could be wrong i thought i thought that nine had kind of done a deal where they kind of um had the cricket rights for the world cups of men and women uh, um, I, I could be wrong i could be, be right. wrong but yeah, yeah you're right if, if anyone wanted to snap them up i'm sure that they would have um they would, certainly would have said yes the um the icc so and um i heard um uh, in in actually in Menas's show when he was um uh interviewing alex blackwell and she was saying that it, it, it's dumb from a commercial point of view and that's what i agree with like it's not altruistic for Channel 9 or anyone else to show the Women's World Cup uh, and doing the right thing. I think they actually would have made money off it. I think their ratings for it, if they have it on Gem, will be better than um, whatever else they would have had on Gem, whatever they're going to now have on Gem instead.
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't know if maybe they're a little bit jaded by cricket in general because um, it used to, when when Channel 9 had it, cost a lot of money. Like the men's used to lose money on it um so i don't know maybe they're a little bit uh i think wary of taking <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's,
2: what, that's what it said at the end that when they left they said it was like a, a 40-year marriage where both partners just could not stand the side of each other cricket it australia hated channel like... nine and channel nine hated cricket australia and they were more than happy to <laughs> more than happy to see the back of each other
3: just like yeah but it'll um It'll be interesting when Cricket's rice deal is up next time. <laughs> what what the relationship is like with all three broadcasters? Oh god,
2: really? yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> might only... end
3: up watching like cricket on like YouTube.
2: <laughs> well, that's the sad thing. It, it, there'll be some platform. You know, it'll be you'll be watching cricket through some mining company or something. It'll be something like um, that, that's the way the world's going. But I think that Australia's not quite ready to be there. That that there's still so many, as you say, the casual fan flex it flicks it on or if it's not on um one of the main channels they're not going to watch it um the shield the great, pictures the great, way
3: to, the great way to kill your sport and super rugby learned this is to put it inaccessible
2: <laughs> <I know>. yes <laughs>
3: just take the money and don't worry
2: <laughs> yes well super rugby did it but cricket in England did it as well um and that's
3: yeah yes you know,
2: famously um very very sad um I think super rugby was probably on the way out anyway <laughs> Um, From an Australian point of view um, You know But anyway um, So the Shield fixtures have been locked in For the remainder of the season Uh, It's a bit interesting that there's going to be um, Queensland's going to play nine games South Australia and Tasmania will play eight New South Wales and Victoria and Western Australia Will end up playing seven Of which New South Wales and Victoria Will have played against each other three times So they're going to work out who gets into the final By dividing your total points By the number of games you've played I saw a tweet condemning this and saying, you know, um, the Ranji Trophy in India has been um, held back due to COVID. Now they're gutting the Sheffield Shield. Uh, Look why England struggled because their county season has been, you know, cut in half to make way for the 100. I don't agree with that. I I actually give them a a tick for this and say it's a crazy world situation. I don't think it matters that much that New South Wales and Victoria and South Australia are going to be playing three fewer games than normal. Uh, I I think that that's, that's fine in these strange times. What do you reckon?
3: Yeah, I think, like, they're doing their best. It's, uh, like, Shield is, like, the last on the list of priorities at the moment <laughs> in terms of, like, um, you know, what's going on. So I, I'm fine with it. I think it's, I'm not willing to die on that hill.
2: Good, me too. Um, so it's going to mean that the players that don't play in the upcoming T20 series against Sri Lanka, the series that everyone is talking about, joking um we'll get (laughs) we'll get one um shield game before the they head off for the pakistan tour those that are those that are selected so um the pakistan tour i'm looking forward to immensely there's all this rumbling about whether australia will go on i'm sure they will i'd be so disappointed if they didn't I understand that you know it's you got to take security into account but i think it'll be fine and I sent out a tweet today asking what the pitches will be like. And there's this kind of impression that oh, they'll be spinning, spin friendly and flat because that's kind of what's the case in the UAE. But uh, as I had sort of read, Pakistan have kind of um, made a decision to make their pitches a lot more pace bowling friendly um, in recent years. And given they have a very, very dangerous pace bowling attack, they're sort of saying that that might be the case. They might be a little bit uh, sort of docile for the first couple of days, but then there'll be pace will really come into it with reverse swing and whatever else. So... It could be a bloody great series. Yeah,
3: I'm so excited for it. I'd be so disappointed. I have to admit when this first got announced, in my head it was never happening. Um, Mm. I don't know why. I just had a feeling that there's just going to be like, oh, the COVID situation or the security situation or there's just going to be some sort of excuse made. Um, And I really hope that that's not true um, because I'm really excited for it and and for Pakistan too and um, how difficult it's been. For so many years for Cricket Sides to tour there, and um, I'm really excited for it. Yesterday, Pat Cummins said when the question was put to him, he said um, that he'd uh, sort of only just thought about it for the first time that morning. I was like, (laughs) "Ooh, well, uh, (laughs) don't say that. It worries me.
2: (laughs) He's been too busy formulating Um, his answer on Justin Langer. (laughs)
3: exactly which was um very non-committalist anyway but um yeah he said uh sorry that was a car behind me don't worry it's not me (laughs) um that he said that it was the first time he thought about what the makeup of the side would look like and um that it would maybe um look a little you know different to the ashes or whatever and there has been some sort of concerns raised that some players might actually pull out because of security fears i just really hope like when they announced this, nothing's changed from now to then to now. So I'm not really sure the security, nothing has changed in terms of security. It's still just as safe or just as dangerous as it was. So I hope, I don't know, I just hope there isn't that false hope there that it's going to happen and then it gets taken away. Um, Also, what will happen in the coaching situation, that'll be very interesting because if Justin Langer's fate is decided in the next day to... Weeks. Well, you're going to rush another coach in, or it's just the assistant coaches, or I don't know, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I really hope that it it all goes ahead as planned.
2: I think if is not there, it'll probably be McDonald's on, on a temporary That's basis. What I was thinking, um, yeah. Anyone from Pakistan, any business from Pakistan that wants to sponsor the podcast to go over there and, um, cover it uh i don't know if jaleesa will be able to go because she's actually got a you know, <laughs> reason to stay here but um i'd certainly be up for it um so yeah i am
3: fully ready to go bags packed i would love to go to yeah, this me tour. Too. this would be awesome
2: i've heard that pakistan is like the best country to visit so i'm eager to get there one day so yeah um looking forward to that tour immensely one thing i forgot to say with regards to the sheffield shield it's good to see that will Pukowski, has been named in the um, Victorian dispatches. The uh, season restarts on the 9th of February. So it's this Wednesday. Queensland's playing New South Wales. South Australia's playing Victoria. So uh, it'd be wonderfully interesting if Prokofsky scored 100 and um, really got his name back into contention for that tour. Uh, a couple of other things. Australia lost their Under 99's World Cup semi final to India in the West Indies. Um, and not surprising at all. India got a plenty plenty big total and Australia just could not handle their spin. Um, I don't know if that's a problem because I presume if the if the match had been on a real fast bouncy track that maybe the Indians would have struggled to handle our pace. But it is something to for Cricket Australia to, to think about, I suppose, with um, young up-and-comers that look like they're going to be one day in the national setup. They've got to get them on to – maybe they should spend a few weeks in Dubai or get Matthew Hayden or someone to teach them because – We do seem to be struggling from spin at all age groups.
3: Yeah. I do wonder if um, COVID, in every other sport, um, I sort of haven't really looked at how it's affected cricket in those lower grades and those guys coming through because I assume that they would have had a lot of um, uh, matches cancelled over the past two years because I just know thinking about rugby league, like there's this real worry at the moment that because um, you had all the like lower grades um, and uh, the New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup canned for basically two years. That you've lost a heap of talent, and that then you're going to have guys when they come through the NRL, the standards going to drop. I wonder if it's the same going to be the same in cricket.
2: Well, that, that's what's happened in India where they've kind of two years of no domestic first class cricket that they're saying is, um, is a concern. Um, they certainly did have COVID troubles at the tournament. This one, the, the lots of the players, um. I've been getting it, but still, I suppose, not too bad, Australia making the semis. Not, <coughs> not perfect, but not too bad. Um, We have a review. Um, oh,
1: you're going to bring up this review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's from Dave from Oz, 777. He says, OMG, three exclamation marks, four-star review. May God have mercy on your poor souls. Bless you, my children, especially the fat one. <laughs>
3: of us thought he was talking about us
2: <laughs> uh yes except he really was talking i, I, I will never do this but i wouldn't be surprised if i actually weigh more than you and men put together
1: <laughs> oh no
3: you haven't seen me after lockdown paul <laughs> i've been eating for a nation like, <laughs> actually it was really funny like um i, I was eating uh, during lockdown like because all you have to do in lockdown all I was looking forward to was eating and it got to the one Thursday I realized, so I discovered this bakery right near my work. And one Thursday I realized at Thursday I had aggregated 12 sausage rolls for that week.
2: That's impressive.
3: So yes, that was three a day and I just went, I'm out of control. (laughs) (laughs) I am out of control. This is, and my boss was like, what's going on? I'm like, depression, sadness. This
2: is what's happening. (laughs) I had a third burger at McDonald's the other like I got two burgers as always, and then I thought that's not enough. I had a third one. I thought this is not a this is not a healthy um, uh, trajectory that I'm on. So
3: I'm so proud of you.
2: Hopefully, I'm going to head in the other direction now. Um, uh, Now, one other thing: Uh, we have made it to the shortlist of the um, inaugural World Sport Podcast Awards in the cricket category. Uh, Please vote for us now. Just Google uh, World Sport Podcast Award and follow the links. It's a little bit confusing. Um, It is. It's not an easy process.
3: I nearly gave up on
2: (laughs) it. So did I. I
3: was like, you know what? No, I
2: can't
3: be
1: bothered. (laughs) The
2: the two tricks, one of them is that you have to, the cricket podcast is done, but you've got to click see more podcasts. And then I think especially if you're doing it on your phone, there's a button that says click here to play. And I thought, are they talking about, voting as in you know i'm playing a game by voting and um and my sister was the same and she said oh, i'll do it and then all of a sudden our podcast started playing and then we were oh it's click here to play the podcast we're, we're not here to listen to the podcast we're here to vote <laughs> but if you could that would be great because we um we were coming seventh uh, of eight and since oh. we put <laughs> since we put the initial call out um to to get some votes we've jumped up to fifth i think so we, um, it's going to be hard to win because the number one podcast at the moment has, is hosted by Mark Wood, the England fast bowler and Miles Jupp, who's a very funny TV personality in England. So presumably they've got a pretty, um, strong fan base. So we might not be able to win, but if we could come in on the podium again, that would be pretty cool. So if you get a chance, please, um, <laughs> follow those convoluted instructions and give us a vote
3: please like and just get to the end like just maybe have a break in the middle of it <laughs> <laughs> just get to the end maybe we should um incentivize people and like come up with something like um if we finish on the podium menors will do something and, and maybe send us suggestions of what menors should do obviously not paul and i because
1: <laughs> just let's
3: throw Menos under the bus
2: menors will start a rugby league podcast
3: Yeah, which you talked about. I was like, "What is this rebranding? Are you okay? (laughs) You having a
0: crisis?"
2: (laughs) We should do that thing that the Chaser do, and that people who want to um, uh, unsubscribe from News Limited, chase the Chaser just send us all your details and we'll do it for you. So we could say, "Send us all your details and we'll do the votes for you." (laughs) Yes,
3: please. That'll be a lot of admin, but Paul will get through it.
2: All right. To conclude, um, even though Matt is not here, we'll do his favourite segment of "Can't Let It Go." Um, uh, I'll go first, and that is. I I'm don't got- have
3: something, so good
2: luck. <laughs> okay, I'll go first and second. I've got two. Oh, I
3: know I have one more thing. Yep. you, go, right. you
2: go. Well, I'll go first. Um, then you can chime in second. I'll go third. How's that? Um, what I found annoying during the uh, first one day was <laughs> when there was a potential no ball for a waist high full toss, and the third umpire spent about four minutes sort of slowing the the footage down and you could see they he would have been or she would have been using their eye to try to track because it wasn't it doesn't matter where the batter hits the ball you've got to assume that the ball would have kept on on its trajectory and then when they part when the ball would have passed the batter in their normal stance is it above waist high or not and they were doing it with this way of slowing it down and looking i thought wouldn't it be good if they actually had some ball tracking software that could do this for them? Was like, what's the <laughs> point of Hawkeye? Like Hawkeye would do that in an instant. Um, and, and, yeah, so that's surely something that can be um, uh, something that we can, because it's, it's quite a significant part of the game, because this was going to be, um, this basically won the game for Australia. Uh, difference between a wicket or a no ball and a free hit. So, yeah, get that right. Jaleesa?
3: <laughs> okay well that was a good one um, I just I realized I didn't mention back in the talking about the uh, women's test just um, w- just props to the curator at Marnica Oval. basically is all I wanted to say because I just thought that was really well done and um, yeah like perfectly
2: curated pitch, absolutely
3: so. and the other one I thought um, is a little bit of a funny one in the big bash when Steve Smith got a bit funny. Who knew he was funny? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's such a bore, usually lovely bloke. (laughs) I didn't didn't
2: know he was so funny. He had his big moustache.
3: Yes. He sent out a tweet and an Instagram where he basically photoshopped himself with big glasses and a big moustache. And he said, uh, Good luck to the Italian imports, Stefano <laughs> Smitharino.
2: Um,
3: it was very like a, almost a Simpsons meme. <laughs> it was like quite funny. So, um, yeah, well, props for Steve Smith for being funny. <laughs> Maybe it, now that he's not like captain and now he's just vice captain, he's just uh, found his spark.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was good. I liked that as well. Yeah. Um, uh, finally for me, um, Ollie Davis has always been my kind of hero, but I've now found a new one and that is Tim David. Um, the, uh, I listened to a Crick Viz podcast before the World Cup and they' were saying that Tim David is potentially the most devastating cricketer in T20 cricket in the world. Um, his average is 34 and he has a strike rate of 157. And wherever he goes, he just wow, he just clouts sixes. He didn't really get used as much as he should have uh, by the Hobart Hurricanes this year. I just think he should be in the – and he's born in Singapore of Australian parents, and he only spent a little bit of time in Singapore, so he he plays for Singapore, but he can also play for Australia. I, I genuinely think this is not being being silly or whatever else. He should be in the World Cup squad. Like, if if we have um, – you know, we're five for 150 with three overs to go, and he walks out, he's just as likely to crack 50 off 12. He's um He bowls a bit as well. He's six foot five. Uh, I think he should be someone that should be really given strong consideration. So let's watch this space.
3: Interesting, um, you say that because you're not the first person I've seen say that. No, uh, too. plenty. I think yeah, that was definitely a yeah, definitely a feeling out there. For, I'm just wondering, like, did the Ollie Davies like checks dry up? Like, what happened?
2: <laughs> no, look, I mean, um, I, I think yeah, he just. He, well, let's see. I'm still, I'm still optimistic. But um, <laughs> at the moment, I'm all about Tim David. But I'll happily go back to him um, once the once the performances um, come back, as I'm sure they will.
3: Good to know. All
2: right. Well, I think that's it. Um, uh, it's been very much fun having a chat, Jaleesa. I hope that menes as um, I'm sure you're listening. I hope your your voice is back, and you can come back on next week and excoriate us for not cheerleading for Justin Langer.
3: Is is this the first sort of pod? Like, I know you've done, you've done pods where you've interviewed people by yourself and whatever, but is this the first one that Menas has sort of missed out on a regular pod?
2: I think it's the second, and I think that um, I could be wrong, but I think James McSmith Macker might have hosted one um, back in the day. I'm not sure who his co-host was where Menas was not involved. But other than that, I think obviously there'll be, you know, true historians, you know, aficionados of Cricket Unfiltered will know this better than me. But um I think it's his number two. But given that it's been going since two thousand and thirteen and we are up to oh, I don't know, are we over up to episode three hundred and twenty or something. Um he's done pretty well to be in all but two.
3: He has, and I wonder how he's taking it listening as a fan. I wonder if he's like infuriated by like ninety percent of what we've said. <laughs> Hopefully. There's certainly not enough spice. We need our little spice. I know. Little... That's we what we need. He... Our spice. We're just nice to each other, Paul. Exactly.
2: We should just confect an argument now that we can insert in the middle that he'll like because that's the problem. We've agreed too much this show, but.
3: We've agreed too much. And also, the uh, one thing I also want to mention, which I meant to mention when we we're talking about the big bash, I love seeing um, Menace's arch nemesis on Twitter, Jay Lenton, there. <laughs> <laughs> That made me really happy.
2: (laughs) That was quite funny.
3: For those who don't follow along, Menace and Jay have like quite these exchanges on Twitter and I have um, spoken, like I've um, messaged Jay about this and he finds it so funny and, um, it's quite this long-running, like, feud that they have going, a love-hate relationship, and to see Jay Linton back in the Big Bash made me so happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy season, the Big Bash. Well, uh, that's it for the everyone, listeners, this week. Um, we'll be back next week with another show. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds, kind of like right now. Driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty,